Knock, knock, guess who is knocking at your door? That's right, you know it's the morning for sure. Might be a geoff, it could be. Maybe it's Mitt Romney. Know you love this weekend moments, original morning news. If you love Lindsay Sterling, Harper in Utah and cello salad foods. Oh, you're gonna love this show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Mormons. We're a tad late this week. Sorry about that, but we're glad to be with you. Don't blame me. Blame. I'm going to choose to blame Trek. Are we blaming Trek, Haley? Is that what we we're are saying? blaming Trek? Haley Smith. <laughs> Haley Smith is here, everybody. Nice to have you. Hi. Thanks for having me back. And, um, yeah, I, I don't want to like divulge your personal information or anything, but 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 we were going to record earlier, but you were feeling a bit a bit queasy after trekking. Yes, we, uh, I was out there on the plains. I was beaten by the wind and pelted by the sun. That doesn't make sense, but all the things the were hail. happening. Yeah, when yeah. you guys when you trek in Colorado, no do you guys just go east, just into like the open plains of eastern Colorado? Is that the best place to do it? I'm not being facetious. I'm sincerely asking. I mean, you're not going to go west we, into the Rockies. We go right? down to the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs. No, I'm just kidding. I've, st- I've, I've stayed at the Broadmoor. I love that place. No, I never have, and I want to. It's no, we nice. <laughs> we actually uh, drove up to Wyoming. Oh. Um, we went to Martin's Cove and Sixth Crossing up where they we camped up there and then trekked around up there with hand carts and it was the whole the whole deal and um, pretty exciting. We um, arranged to have seven buses to transport all of us up there. Wow! And the morning of trek, three buses showed up. <laughs> So what'd you do? Um, everybody just immediately got assigned to drive kids in their cars yeah. to go up there. And it, 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 it just happened to work out. But it was kind of funny because, well, not really funny at the time, but the three of the drivers apparently tested positive for COVID and then one had his tires slashed. And I'm going, okay, very, what a coincidence that three drivers tested positive for COVID on the same day. And also, I didn't know about this gang of tour bus tire slashers <laughs> that's, that's a, that large. There's some kind of <laughs> epidemic going on. It's just like those time. are the things that like you can't argue. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess then you can't make it. <laughs> so what do you do? So everyone just trekked on up to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to Martin's Cove. So we just packed everyone in cars and headed up there and it, it worked out, but. It was the true pioneer experience. I now, I have a lot of curiosity about Trek. And I don't know about you. I mean, we're, we're pretty close in age. We both grew up in Southern California. Yeah. I don't ever remember even hearing about Trek existing. No. I don't even think until I was an adult. So exactly. is, is Trek a, an advent of the past 20 years? Or were they doing it in Utah long before that? And now we've kind of like branched out to other areas. Because they're doing Trek out here in Virginia, even in a yeah. couple of weeks our youth. I'm just curious, when did Trek really become a thing? I don't know. Because I never heard yeah. a thing about it in the 90s in California. I'm like you. I had never heard of it. And when I did hear of it, I think maybe, yeah, as an adult, I thought it was a joke or something. I was I was like, wait, wait, wait. Explain. Wait, what's happening? <laughs> this is real? So I don't know, but You're I did. cosplay in the, <laughs> in the wilderness? Yes, Mormon cosplay. But I did actually talk to a few people there who were my contemporaries that said they did it. 
growing up. They had that experience. Did they grow um, up in Utah? Yes. So that's what I, I wonder if it's always been in Utah, but it's just now. Yeah. And so then I was trying to remember if like my cousin, because all my cousins lived in Utah and I don't remember if they did it or not, but yeah, I had never really heard about it. Um, and so I, of course I wanted to go because it was like all my favorite things, right? Like putting on costumes, sure, yeah. camping, hardship. Uh, being with yes. teenagers, <laughs> apparently the food's really good because they bring a food uh, refrigerated truck and they have a whole food committee. That's just all they do is cooking. They have the hardest job. They're just cooking 24 yeah. hours a day. It's like that character <laughs> from City Slickers. Yeah. Same thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it really was a pretty good gig, except there's no shade to be found whatsoever. So Jeez. that's why... You're like, oh, I, I see why this was a hard thing. I will need to be converted because I think maybe just not growing up with it at all. I see Trek and I just, I think like, why, 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 why? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't feel like I, I need this to develop appreciation for the hardships. I live in 2022. That's, yeah. we have our own hardships. Yeah. That's my, uh, but, but like in saying that, like I haven't done it. Um, I've, yeah. I've avoided having to do it this year. I got put in the bishopric a few months ago, um, uh-huh. but I don't have to attend. <laughs> uh, nice. I'm not going to lie. They asked if one of us could go for one day and I just kind of like sat there and stared at my phone. Like, okay. <laughs> is someone else? I, should, I, I shouldn't say this because our first counselor is a friend and sometimes he listens to the show. So uh, It's okay. We're just being honest. Right? No, but what I am being honest about is like, I'm open to being converted, but it's always been kind of a, uh, it's always, it's sort of bewildered me as a practice uh, uh-huh. of our faith community. I think it's interesting that we do it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. I will say one of the really, one of the things that I really enjoyed was all these kids in our stake, um, not having any devices for four days mm. just you're just seeing their faces they're talking they're laughing they're playing games like every day they do yeah, like stick pulling and tug of war and like and though they would do those things for hours like when we were done trekking for the day or whatever and they're just having such a great time and just like talking to each other being friend like making new friends and like <laughs> you're like wow this is kind of great <laughs> so that and part that's, a, and that's a good point yeah. was really cool and that and that is that. different because like I hate to keep going back like when we were teenagers, but we I mean we were like the AOL generation, but we didn't have smartphones or anything like that, you know, going on, and we were like oh. talking to each other. But now it's true they don't as much. Yeah. It's a good way to yeah. get them out of it. So because okay. right. you can't right. really get away from that when you're at home. I mean, it's just it, their he- phones are here and they're here to stay, and yeah. we have to deal with them. But I don't know. Maybe it was just nostalgia. Just thinking back to, oh, yeah, I remember what the 90s Maybe it's more fun in Montana. Maybe it's because I don't want to trek in Virginia because summers here are disgusting. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Or I really think trek, though, we should let's be more draconian about it, people. If we're going to appreciate what the Saints went through, we can't have like the food truck people coming by (laughs) or even sunscreen. We need to send the kids out there and you need to suffer for three days. It should be like the passion of the trek. And it should be all about the misery you experience firsthand knowing exactly. I think people should get frostbite. I think people should lose limbs. No, actually they told us, the missionaries that were there, they told us, because a few weeks ago in Colorado or around here, up here, we had a big storm. And so they said there was a Trek group that came through a few weeks ago and they were caught in that. And so they had like sleet, rain, snow, and two people had to be like life lighted out with hypothermia. Oh, geez. 
So they actually did have, you know, I mean, that's kind of scary, but yeah. So apparently people are experiencing that. And then I guess they were going to, the leaders were going to call it quits. And then the missionaries rallied and brought all these new, like dry sleeping bags and hot chocolate and saved the trek. Wow. It's a heartwarming story. I wasn't I love, there, but I heard it, about it. It's it's funny you bring this up. One of the one of the kind of brief stories we get to this week actually is that the first presidency sent a letter out a few days ago reaffirming uh, the importance of safety on activities, particularly with youth. I don't think there was anything Ooh. wildly new that they said, but they yeah. talked about the importance of adult supervision, protecting children and youth. One caveat is chainsaw safety. I saw that. Chainsaw safety, not just there's lots of there's also swimming safety, overnight safety, but specifically chainsaw safety. Yeah. Um, and how to protect the kids, follow COVID protocols, you know, look out for them. I don't have to read all of it here, but the first presidency just sent this letter out, kind of probably going into trek season to remind everyone of like we want to do these things, but they involve careful planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, make sure that you plan safe activities, consider the maturity and age mm-hmm. appropriateness of the activities you are uh, planning for your kids and uh do your due diligence, folks. And I know this is yeah. both, one, keep the kids safe, and two, keep lawyers away from the church <laughs> in the form of lawsuits. It is both things, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the church is also trying to protect itself at the same yeah. time. Um, but it's yeah. funny. It's kind of funny, the timing of that. I don't remember them doing this every year, but it makes sense going into youth camp season, trek season, all that kind of stuff. Now they would remind yeah. us to uh, keep an eye on that but they do tell us like keep an eye out for abuse or neglect a lot of what you have here actually falls in line with there's a video training you've probably done as a youth yeah I mean, youth leader i did i forgot what, I forgot what its name is but um, it's a video training about essentially protecting youth yeah um, it's about you know 25 30 minutes long a little bit of a workshop type video and it goes specifically about that like how especially how do you notice mm-hmm. if kids are being like if there's types of abuse in their lives all kinds of things like that mm-hmm. um and I, i'm hoping no kind of abuse would happen at something like trek or camp but the skills you would learn there would help you in any situation if the kids are feeling left out if kids are being bullied on tre- on trek for example i don't know things could happen yeah yeah, for sure. No, I think it's definitely important and I think it's good that they have everyone do that. I mean, I mean, sometimes I think certain things can't be avoided. Like, you know, sometimes I am left with like one girl in my car that I need to get a ride home and I'm like, oh, but you know, I, yeah, I, I think it's good to like go through all the training and then sometimes you just have to make like do the best you can, you know, with the best intentions. But I think that it definitely protects as many people as possible for us to follow those as much as we can, you know, rules can be a drag, you know, it can be a pain. <laughs> well, I mean, like I get it. Like it's hard. Like you were saying, you know, but sometimes you got the one kid there and you're like, what do I do? Like I'm supposed to have another adult with me and all this. Yeah. And I can't just be like, well, you should probably just walk home in the dark by yourself. Yeah. It's probably safer. <laughs> you know, and you have to use good judgment and like, the, but those, those rules exist for a reason, yeah. you know? And, and the sad thing is the world and even members of the church have caused problems. And now we have to be extra careful and do these things. Oh, yeah. but it's what we do to protect the kids, protect each other, protect the institution. Yes. All that kind of stuff. So. Oh, it's definitely good. Other, well, good times there. Uh, I'll I'll throw another story out of this. I'll throw one personal for myself at this one because why not? So um, I talk about temples a lot. We've talked about the DC temple ad nauseum here. The open house just ended last week finally. So that was good. Um, Oh, fun. Yes, it was fun. The only part that I'm a little cynical about is, you know, they were supposed to dedicate the temple this coming weekend, like Father's Day weekend, this Saturday on the 18th. Okay. Original plans were for that and for the open house to end on June 4th. They said because of a lot of demand, 
to go to the open house. Okay. They said, all right, let's extend the uh, open house indefinitely. And we're going to push back the temple's dedication all the way until late August and provide more time for an open house. Wow. So at the time we were all like, wow, we're going to have like a three month open house or something for this temple. Cause it's that hot. Now it was a, it was busy. We went, you know, it's busy, but they only wound up extending the open house by one week. The open house ended last Saturday on the 11th. Oh, and it was great. Lots of people came. All that stuff is wonderful. But then the trade-off was, okay, and now the temple, instead of being dedicated one week later than planned, is now st- we still have to wait two more months. Like we just had state conferences weekend, and it was very temple heavy about like getting ready to have the temple open again and be there. And I thought all that was great, but I was also thinking this is nice, but we still have to go to Philadelphia for the next two months, like as pumped up as we might be. Oh, oh! Did they say why they're waiting? It's just no. I imagine I imagine it was just initially saying, "All right, there's a lot of demand. Let's push this back to give ourselves a buffer and be safe." And then, as the numbers and situation normalized, they said, oh, "Okay, we'll just give it another week." But they, but at that point, they weren't going to backtrack and say, "Okay, we're going to move up the dedication now oh, to like yeah. early July." So it's just you know. Oh, they so- had already kind of set the date. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the choir needs to practice. I know that. I know, right? So, <laughs> yeah. the curious thing, though, is they still haven't announced who's going to dedicate it either, which usually they've told us by now. So, it makes us wonder if President Nelson's thinking about it, but he's yet to pull the trigger because he likes to delegate it to the apostles. I don't know. But it's like, you know, it's DC. It's like a marquee temple, like Rome, other ones like that. I, yeah, I wonder when you get to be that old if you make your vacation plans very shortly before you leave. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't buying know. ripe bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I didn't want to digress on the DC one, but another thing that hit close to home, we've covered a lot of, we cover lots of temple designs here, but the uh, Yorba Linda, California temple, one very near and dear to me, my home, my old home stomping grounds. Uh, the church revised the design of it this week uh, from the original, the original one. Haley, I should probably get you a picture of the original. I, one oh, the original it. design. Yeah. Hold on a second. I can do this. But um, <laughs> So the original was a, a not uncommon uh, design that we've been seeing, at least the floor plan, kind of it's the square floor plan. Here, I'll send you a picture here at some point. Da, 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 da. Okay. I'll put it, I'll put this in our Trello. Oh, great. Isn't that, isn't that so nice of me? That is so nice of you. I'm a nice person. Okay. <clears throat> and there we go. So now it's on the Trello cards. That's the original design. The original design, oh. spire in the middle, a little bit taller. These things happen though, after going back and forth with the planning committee, the planning committee didn't like the height of the steeple, and so they wanted to lower it. That's where we left off a month or so ago. And this past week, the church released an updated design, same general idea, not like huge differences across the board, but they moved the spire, which they've now shortened substantially. It used to be about 110 feet. Now it's like 70. Mm-hmm. And they moved it to the front of the building instead, where you enter. It's fine. It's okay. I, I like the new one. Yeah, it's cool. I've, I mean, it does look a little bit stumpier. It, it just, it cracks me up because we dealt with the same issue when they built Newport Beach. It was, the original design was for a taller steeple, a little more prominent. Yeah. City Planning Commission was like, no, 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 you can't do that. And so we lowered it. And that's why it's got kind of that mission style that we have. Uh, and this is yeah. sort of, this is more Spanish Baroque, but I uh-huh. do think it looks pretty cool. I, I haven't seen many temples of this styling. So No, I haven't either. No, I, And we haven't seen temples that have changed designs like this very often uh, in recent history. So. Well, yeah. And I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like it when it's a little more unique. I don't know. It yeah, just, it's cool. So it's not a major yeah, change, but they moved up front. It's cool. I, the one thing I saw people wondering about though, is would this mean without having the spire in the middle that the celestial room, which is in the center of the building, Will it still be as lofty, as airy? Not that the whole thing goes up through the steeple normally, 
but it often has a little bit of height in the celestial room to then accommodate the superstructure for the steeple. And if they don't have to do that, oh. well, basically, will the celestial room have a lower ceiling or not? I don't know. We'll have to see. But overall, it's cool. Um, I mean, those ceilings still look pretty high there in the center. I mean, you're not. Yeah, I, think I mean, it's more. It's definitely more than like a nine foot ceiling. You've got some space to work with. But yeah, well, some some seven foot basement ceilings. That's what we should have in every. Uh, if anything, room. it's it's great PR because people will will want to go there to to find out. I hope the so. Answer are, to that. And like a lot of temples, though, in areas that aren't as heavily LDS, like they're very conscious of neighbors being freaked out. Like this is going to be this new building with a lot of traffic because people don't understand. Like our meeting house probably sees more traffic than a temple on average because temples, yeah. you know, it's a small amount of people revolving throughout time. It's not a big deal. Um, but of course, there are concerns about that. So hopefully this will show them that we're just trying to help the community and not kill the sight lines. And uh, yeah. I'd, say the one, I'd say the one downside, especially since there's no Moroni, the uh, the front of the temple is not on that that entryway on the main street that it sits on. So that front faces the parking lot. So basically, as far as prominence of the steeple oh. being visible, more visible from the thoroughfare, it'll actually oh. be set back. It'll be look like it's on the back of the building if you're on the street. Not a huge deal, but that's how. It oh, works. I see. That's the view from the parking lot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well that, folks, that, that that's all sense. I have to say about that, yeah. folks. I know you don't care. But that's about what I care. But uh, it's only news because we don't drastically replace <laughs> temple designs very often. But it happened no. to be in this case. No, so it counts. Go. It counts. Awesome. Um, well, speaking of buildings, um, I understand that it was announced that they were getting rid of the Harris Fine Arts Center, the current yeah. Harris Fine Arts Center at BYU, which to me, that's where I lived. When I went yeah. to BYU, I, I mean, I was, I was, a, I did, I had some classes in the JKHB across the way, but the HVAC, I mean, I just lived there. There was this like marble slab down on the third floor where we yeah. just all would hang out. It was kind of like a gathering place. And um, anyway, yeah, so they're tearing it down, I guess, and building a new art center state-of-the-art art center, um, which is exciting, but uh, I'm definitely feeling sentimental about <laughs> the HVAC for sure. <laughs> um, but in the article, did you see that it said, and this is in the church news, this line gave me pause, a six-station lactation room Good, I miss- accommodate students and their families as well as patrons? Is a lactation room? <laughs> what? It's an, it's an interesting <laughs> bit of information to include. Like, just so you know, guys, in case all of you, all of you people pursuing arts degrees are is, more prone to breastfeeding than others. Is that their way of saying that us um, actor singer types get married earlier than others? What? I Maybe just, is that what the data shows? Did you feel like most of your compatriots were more likely to be married okay. than all the yes. poli-sci majors? Yes, I had a baby before I graduated and I took her to improv and stage combat, but okay, we don't have to <laughs> announce it to the world. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Like it took me a minute. I was like, wait, electation. Wait. Okay. <laughs> cool. Good. And they're actually building, they're putting in two buildings though, right? Isn't that what I'm getting from this? It's 
I've, yeah, well, there's they're going to build a music building, a separate music. So building it's so now, right? because the HVAC is like music and theater. Yes, but it sounds like music is going to get their own. And a breakout. Try to figure out what I mean. The footprint. I mean, because you're kind of wedged right there between sort of the quad and then the art museum. Just wonder yeah. how they're going to use this, how they're going to use this. I mean, it could be just the same square footage, just split over two yeah. buildings. Kind of a thing, well, then but. I and I imagine they'll keep the film department in there. Although I don't know how much. Yeah, and then I think they said something like a production studio, which they also have, you know, the wonder, broadcasting got, building. Yeah, they've got, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Which has a lot of studios, but maybe they need more. And, you know, maybe they need more so show-offs can come back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, what's going on with show-offs? <laughs> COVID's, COVID's over, Haley. Where's show-offs? COVID is still a thing. I no, think COVID's it's still over. a thing. It's, it's, it's still it's out fine. there. It's, done. it's fine. I, I know people that have tested positive. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, but it, it's, that's, I think it's going to be cool. I'm excited to go some people, there someday. Some people are, I mean, I've, you know, you're an alumnus of that. Yes. And like you said, you spent most of your time there and there's, it's a very, uh, you know, it's an older, I don't know when the, the Harris building dates to, I'm assuming the sixties or maybe seventies based on its stylings and everything like that. Yeah. But it's a beloved building by many. And there are a lot who feel like it's almost worthy of preservation as kind of this beautiful mm-hmm. architectural representation of a certain period. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who are bummed about it, but you're yeah. more, well, you're excited. I mean, I, I think uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, I do think they probably could improve upon the actual performing spaces um but yeah i think mostly i am just like feeling you know sentimental about it yeah. but my only concern is the rendering for the new buildings make it look just kind of like <laughs> just like your typical modern building like looking at these renderings it looks no different than the jfsb yeah it's yeah jfsb with a different purpose but that's i don't get much else from it so yeah that's uh, true they, they could add a little more flair. I wouldn't mind that. But this is BYU. They're not going to get all It's BYU. Avant-garde. They're not known for get all avant-garde or anything. <laughs> no. No. But it'll I remember be they were, great. when I was finishing up there is when they were building the uh, Hinkley Center up, you know, up up the yes. off the parking lot a bit that reception area. That's a curious building cuz I don't think they finished it before I left. Uh, and I went back there last time I was there and I was kind of like walking around it. it almost felt like <coughs> Excuse me. What kind of it almost felt kind of like a weird space. Like it almost had no purpose when I was meandering around there. Yeah. I it's it's a reception area and maybe yeah. for events and things, but it felt kind of curious. Just I just digress, but I think about places that Yeah, I so I was telling my kids the other day, I when I started at BYU, my one of my job or a job I had freshman year, I did custodial. I cleaned the old cougary like three nice. times a week at night. So if you can, do you remember the old Cougar Eat? Before the old, did they change it? Well, define old. I don't know what makes it older or newer. Well, they completely changed it. I mean. Wait, what? when did you go there? You know, is there like old, like 2005 way? You oh, know, my six, gosh. I mean, they had a freshetta, which I never read okay. out. Yeah, no, they, they, it was, yeah, it was an old Cougar Eat where we, we, anyway, we put all, the, we wiped all the tables, put all the chairs up, mopped the floors, but then now it's all different in there so now i want to know how it's which i want to know which era i was there for i i know and my kids don't care also so i don't know why i told them (laughs) i think i was just trying to teach them about how hard i worked i was a janitor (laughs) there's no shame in that you did great work you you know we should respect the working people there's there's value in all 
jobs? Generally speaking, yes. When I was at BYU, I worked at a book printing facility, a factory in Spanish Fork, handling the hiring of temp workers. That's what I did for employment. That that was fun. It was a blast. I got really good at at doing, uh, looking for people's immigration status. It was a lot of fun. Awkward conversations, that kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, of the artists among us, old Brad Wilcox was back in the news this week, but not for bad reasons like a few months ago. I think we've, I think we've, I think everyone's forgotten already, but apparently Brad Brad Wilcox was hanging out with none other than Killer's front man, Brandon Flowers. Look at that. I enjoyed this. Everyone's own spirituality is their own business, truly. But it's always hard not to care a little bit more about the more prominent Latter-day Saints among us. And then, of course, we think about like, well, like how how Mormon are they? Are they active? You know, is Bryce Harper active? Is Dan Reynolds active? Do these people go? Are they like, are they really one of us? Or are they like, <laughs> or are they like the Will Swensons of the universe? You know, oh. exactly. <laughs> I threw that one out just for you. No. So right. but the, the real point is, we don't know. But it was interesting to see that uh, the. Um, Brandon Brandon Wilcox. I combined them, but Brad Wilcox, Brandon and Flowers, Wilcox Flowers. We're <laughs> yeah. hanging out, and I love this. There's actually a quote from Brandon Flowers. He said, "I choose to believe because I felt the Holy Ghost more times than I can remember. Certainly more times than I deserve. I believe not because I've seen pillars of fire or pillars of light, but because my bosom." has burned as if by fire. My path has been illuminated as if by light. I believe because every commandment I keep improves my life. And I believe because I remember. And then he even said, like, one of my favorite things about the church is it's open invitation for all to come and gain a testimony for yourself. You don't have to believe just because your parents did. There is confidence enough in the gospel to encourage anyone and everyone to put it to the test. That's what I did. And that's why I choose to believe. That's a great line. Across yeah. the board from Brandon Flowers. I love, I love seeing him. I don't know what, what the exact event was that they were together, but I think that's a... Uh, that's well stated. Mm-hmm. I like that almost more than some of the things I'll read from a general conference talk. Like that's that's just nicely. Well, you choose, and you're right. Belief is a choice. Belief is often a choice. It's not just a thing that you're involuntarily like brought into, and you just believe. And you know, it's you choose to be here. You choose to have faith. Well, it is a choice, and it, and it's simple the way he puts it, and it's straightforward. And I mean, we're all on different paths, like so many different ways, and obviously. Brandon Flowers' path is a little bit different than mine. But, you know, I mean, what unites us is that, yeah, we have the access to this these gospel truths that we choose to believe in. And that doesn't, you know, um, I don't know. I, I like it. Yeah, I'm a fan. Good. I mean, and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. Part of me had wondered, were many years removed from his I'm a Mormon video? Right. Mm-hmm. And then on some of the more recent Killers albums, there's some profanity. And I was like, Brandon, Brandon, are we slipping? Are we now swearing on Killers records? I just don't know. You know, this is things could be happening. I'm good for you, Brandon. Glad you're glad you're speaking up. <laughs> Haley's just shaking her head like, you jerk, <laughs> you judgmental monster. No, I'm <laughs> just saying. Who among us has not? No, who sworn? among us has? Well, well I, I do. So I do. I do. But I do think having been having been a musician who's recorded some some music in my day, um, it is interesting though when you're a musician because it's one thing like people have sworn in their days, but when you do make it like part of a song lyric or something, you're kind of you're you're recording it. It's a record, right? Like you're deliberately making that a permanent. Yeah, part of your of your repertoire, so to speak. Right. So I think that from that sense, it's a little bit different than if you're just like randomly swear on stage. I know lots of bands that like never 
use profanity. Oh, oh, okay. They never use profanity in their music, like their recordings. But even when they perform concerts, they like cuss on stage and stuff, and that's their thing. Yeah. But I think it's just more of a bit of a deliberate choice, of course, if you're including language in your recordings. I'm not actually judging if the, if you do, but it is a bit of a different mindset. Like when I was in a band years ago. We never, we might've, I used to swear a lot like a sailor, but we on purpose never swore in our music because we weren't like, we didn't want that to be our thing. We wanted our music to be clean on lyrics because that's just what we cared about. Yeah. Um, and then ironically, I, from being in that band and doing that, I like stopped swearing more. Even I was in a band <laughs> with a bunch of non-Mormon guys and we all like cleaned up our language. It was huh. a bizarre, bizarre period of life. That's, that's, that's all I mean by that. Like, no. I think, uh, if you well, listen it's to one, the same like, thing with actors, right? Because like- yeah. When, when, if you're swearing, like if you're acting and you're swearing, I mean, is that, is that you swearing? Is that the character? Also like my friend Kirby Hayborn, when he got all that flack for doing the beer commercial commercial. (laughs) and apparently everyone's forgotten about that because, you know, he's got his, they love him on his BYU TV show. So, you know, it's just, people are so quick to just point the finger and judge and, and you don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not your business. You it's know? hard, and, but and you it's know hard the, to not make it your business in this church because everyone feels like, yeah, ownership of everything. It is everyone's business, and I mean, you know, this of course better than most, being, having been involved in the entertainment space for so long. I think it's got to be very tough being a Latter Day Saint in, in the entertainment space for all these reasons, both the judginess of church members. And just that, like, I don't know what the line is. Like, do, and I think it's a personal choice, of course. Like, like I don't personally swear or do these things, but as an actor, I. I'm acting like mm-hmm. that's your thing. Cool. And everyone's lines could be different and you could fully understand why some might say they have an obligation, like the Kirby Hayborn thing. Yeah. I think a lot of people viewed him as like, no, you have an obligation to like represent the church and all that you do. And if you're out there shilling for alcohol, even if to you it's just a job to the rest of us, it's like Kirby Hayborn encouraging people to sin more or less. <laughs> and that's, I don't, I don't envy the position. A lot of uh, you yeah. find entertainment people wind of being it i mean you've at least been smart enough to stick to uh you know mlms and fine uh what are, i always forget the one young living tahitian no name i was like MLMs. oh yeah Who young living yes quote, quote, unquote, quote unquote wellness a very popular industry in utah you know you know but well, uh, hey i know i mean but that's controversial as well you know like is. That, yeah, you a mean? lot of people would call that a great evil but for me i was like i don't actually i don't I don't use it. I'm just hawking it, which is that bad? I don't know. And I think that's what's hard. People think like, well, if you're hawking it, does that mean you're endorsing it? Does that mean you're behind this? And you might be like, this is just a job. I'm a gun for hire. I'm just trying to get this thing done. You know? I, I was like, I read the script. It made me laugh. I'm in. Give me my check. Let's yeah. have a good time. And yeah. is I don't know. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's Everyone's different. So I guess that's where yeah. you end with it <laughs> that's that was, it that was a fun discussion that's- okay you can take us somewhere better that you don't where it's not me judging everyone go ahead well then let's talk about loving thy neighbor <laughs> should we flip it around so the tab cats um are it's going to be their first concert to the public or their first yeah first event open to the public since march 2020 no way. Wow, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, um, which is a big deal. Um, they're doing a concert um, called Love Thy Neighbor, and it's going to feature songs about love and they're singing and, and a, neighbors. And, and yeah. neighbors. <laughs> they're singing a song from Goodbye, Mr. Chips. 
I saw that. <laughs> that I had to look up called Fill the World with Love. And it turns out it's not the first time they've done that song because I pulled it up on Apple Music and it, and it was the only people that are singing it was the Mormon Tabernacle Choir in the days of huh. yore. So, um, yeah, but yeah, they just, they, I think they're doing it July 15th, July 16th um, on Temple Square. And the event will fe- feature music and narration that encourage everyone to care for one another. Um, a central message for the choir and orchestra in their mission to inspire, uplift, and bless the world through music. The program is designed to share feelings of comfort and hope during today's troubled times, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I think that's great. That's a great message that, um, I am curious about this. It says, interwoven with the musical numbers will be narration delivered in a unique way. <laughs> I w- that's a curious choice of adjectives. That, is, that leaves a lot of, that's very open for interpretation. What does that mean? I thought that too. I thought, is it going to be delivered through dance? Is it going to be delivered Narrat- through a uh, ventriloquist? <laughs> No, it's going to be, it's still going to be Lloyd Newell, but instead he's going to be, he's, he's going to be doing this like very like passionate dance where he'll keep eye contact with you the entire time. Is he going time. to be dressed as a pioneer? <laughs> How, gonna, what is this unique way? Now we have to watch. It's yeah. Lloyd Newell in cosplay. <laughs> in Mormon cosplay. But either way, I mean, I'm tuning in because I have to know about the unique way that the narration <laughs> It's going to be delivered. So that's what middle of July, right? I think they're going to be streaming it in uh, yeah, July yeah. 16th. Yeah. I'll so. check it out. Motab concerts are great. I mean, uh, they do they do general conference, of course, but I've only seen them perform commercially, quote unquote, I think yeah. once when they were on tour. And it was it was a really fun night. It was pretty cool. I, I oh, got a big yeah. I got to go one year to the Christmas concert because my friend had tickets. Would- it was fun. Um, my friend's aunt was actually the secretary for president monson so we got good seats oh she had like an extra one so i got to go um i did also note that the performance will open with songs and a short tribute to the latter-day saint pioneers which um resonates with me because i just survived a 12 mile Mm -hmm. track Mm -hmm. so i'll be watching well you know you mentioned the vip seats um yeah and that made me think of one of these other stories here that popped up this week over at Times and Seasons, an article called Church Leadership Callings is a Marker of Your Standing Before God. And I couldn't help but think about like, oh, of course, you know, you're the prophet, you get amazing, hot seats, you get great <laughs> seats. You get, you've got access because the, you know people. In the conference center. <laughs> because you know people. Because in yeah. theory, shouldn't we be more egalitarian about it? But I'm glad you got to have that experience. I mean, that's that's great. But Thank um, you. Yes. I was glad too. No, I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. But you know what I mean? It's funny when we think about the concept of like VIPs or like even when there's general conference, we have dignitaries and whether that's church people or political leaders who are LDS, they, they show up. This article, I won't read it all, but the gist of it is essentially we know that God does not care about our callings when we're when we're in the great beyond and we're judged and all this sort of stuff. Uh, there might be under consideration how we performed in our service to our ward, our community, and our, our fellow saints. But as far as like, I like the meme they have right here where it uh, does Jurassic Park thing with uh, 
I was going to say Newman, but you know, the character. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Hey, everyone, everyone, this guy was a stake president in mortality. See, nobody cares. If you know the Dodgson, Dodgson. We yes. got Dodgson here. Yeah, so it's that. But nobody cares. And yeah. that's supposed to be true in the great beyond, right? Nobody cares. No, when we're all there, well, you could be standing right next to an apostle and you could be standing right next to somebody who never served in like a ward leadership capacity. All that matters is what we do with what we're given. And I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. So it is funny though, when I think that um, people sometimes feel though, if they don't have leadership callings, that they, some, I, I think this happens a lot with men, especially in the church that they might question their standing before God. They, I think we do put people in leadership callings up on a bit of a plinth, even if mm. we don't mean to as mortals. And that's maybe that's part of just the weakness of mortality that we mm-hmm. are prone to revering these sorts of people or thinking something is cool. I, you know how it all is. Like when I was a kid, like I always looked at my bishop, like, dude, the bishop, like this is, yeah. this is legit. It's curious to me though, when we think about that though, that the Lord does not care what our callings are. So like, why do we tend to place more emphasis on the callings people have and sometimes elevate them to a certain status or either denigrate them or ourselves uh, if we if we think that? Like, I, I think one example, I, I'm not going to pick on my own family here or anything like that. My grandfather, an absolutely wonderful, incredible, amazing, quietly serving man. And in quietly serving, I think this might be part of it. He was uh, someone I aspire to be in so, so many ways, a charitable, thoughtful person with like no temper, no ego, uh, a successful physician, great testimony, just kind of did his thing calmly and served quietly. Mm -hmm. Um, You would say though, he was elders quorum president at some point in his life, but the phrasing, like I've heard like, but he never like went beyond that. He never went higher. He was never in a bishopric or anything like that. And he's this great, righteous guy. And it's funny because I've seen discussions about this. No one like concerned, but like, yeah, you know, grandpa was never more, more quote unquote, than like an elders quorum president. Um, and that's kind of an interesting idea. And I do think like for one, why do we care? Right? Like I'm currently in a bishopric and I'm an idiot. And here I am. Like it doesn't, it, I mean- yeah, no. You're like I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just funny we pl- we we think sometimes in in that context. And I think there was even a comment on this article deeper on that really drives it home. Is um, I wonder sometimes that people I think wind up in leadership positions in the church. I do think sometimes if you're a little more visible, I think that there are uh, there could be wonderful people who qu- are are quiet and meek with their testimonies who serve and are good and attract no attention for doing so. Mm-hmm. And they might never be in a leadership position because fl- frankly, there's a, there's a human element to them. And so they, but they just go about their business and people calling people to leadership positions might be more aware of people who are more in people's face and louder and have more of a public profile because yeah. <laughs> they've made one, <clears throat> but they might not even be as spiritual of an individual. And I'm not ranking spirituality. Right. But I do think it's kind of a curious thing when we think about that because I've known a lot of people who are uh, who quietly serve in a very down to earth way, and they might never ever be yeah. a bishop or a council or anything like that, and they're never yeah. quote unquote elevated to a position of leadership because I just think they're not on people's radar. And yeah. in some ways, I think that's a shame because we can yeah. learn a lot from that because it's really easy. Because I mean, there's not politicking <laughs> involved, but people with like personalities who can get in the like you become more yeah. known and you kind of get on the radar. I mean, like case in point, me. Hello, here I you think I, I belong in this calling? No, well, I don't. But people here, know who I am. That's all this is. I campaigned. Here's what I always think about is that every ward is going to be different than every other ward in the world. I mean, every ward is unique, right? And so then within each ward, you have 
every youth, group of youth is unique. And so you're going to have, so if I just look at like my, you know, organization of young women, for example, um, you have different, you have different leaders with different strengths and different weaknesses. Mm-hmm. For example, I am terribly disorganized and I do everything last minute. And I'm sh- the people that plan things out for months in advance, every detail, they get so frustrated with me because they're like, <laughs> just figure it out. And I'm like, I can't, I actually, I can't work that way, but I'm going to show up and it's going to be amazing. Um, but I'm going to do it the day before. <laughs> so, but, but I'm really good at like, at being there and interacting with the girls. You know, there are some women who are like, they're, they'll plan the crap out of everything and just make these amazing things, but they get so nervous, you know? So like everyone brings their different strengths. And then I also think there's like just little ways, like girls, young women need certain leaders at certain times. That's why we change things in and out. And I think it's just kind of actually a great testimony builder to me, the way the church is set up is how we're always changing and shifting and doing different callings to mm-hmm. meet the, all the different needs. And if you take a calling like Bishop, there's so many different factors, like the person's age, their family dynamic, um, their personality, their profession. Like there's just so many different things that go into it. That, and that's why we can't just ever look at someone and just make like a flat, you know, judgment, yeah. like, oh, well, they're more righteous. And so that's why they're in this job. We just don't know. No, we don't know. I mean, I do think like some callings of, I don't know if bishops are inherently more righteous. I think you have to have a certain level of righteousness to serve in those kinds of roles, obviously, yeah. compared to, you know, like they say, it's 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 not necessarily about your spirituality, but it is about being worthy, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the crucial thing. Well, our I will say our stake president actually at Trek, well, he mentioned, I mean, he did, he got, he was called to be our stake president when he was 35. And he had like a one-year-old. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's like, well, I, I don't know why I got that job, but I was worthy and I was willing. And, you know, and but then there's gonna be a billion other reasons, but that we don't know. But um yeah, it doesn't does it mean that he's more righteous than anyone older than him in the stake? No. It's just he was the right, you know, I don't know. It's I I think, yeah, for for sure people do put a lot of stake in those things, but I just think that's silly because I don't know. There's the well, Lord works it's, in mysterious ways, Jeff. Is your is your stake president a successful businessman <laughs> or a lawyer? No. I mean I'm sure he's successful. He's not a lawyer. Okay. Um we talked about but, that a few weeks ago, just how um the nature of like the per, the the professions a lot of church leaders wind up having. And how, like, to me, I find I've had so many stake presidents who are like business people. Yeah, not the thing. Yeah, they're not. Not a bad. Not a bad. They're not comedians. (laughs) That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. I want Brandon Flowers to be my stake president. That's what I want. Well, my bishop, my bishop for a time in um, New York City was a fashion photographer. Uh, Was your bishop? A former actor in a certain production. Yeah, I know. The you person. know it. <laughs> I know that. I was at that. I was. I must have been in your old ward then once when I was up there visiting. And my old buddy was once was just the bishop of that ward too recently for a handful of years. Who? Are we naming names? Oh, I don't know. If you're, we could talk about it after. Yeah. Okay. I mean, whatever. I don't know. I don't know if that, but um, it's the same ward. I think the uh, what the. 
it's Bushman. Morning, was a, yeah, Bushman Morningside was Heights Ward. Yeah, the Morningside Heights Ward. That's when I went and I sat next to um, Brother Bushman during sacrament meeting, and he never even talked to me. I said, fellowship me, you punk. Come on, man. Wait, you did? Yeah. When was this? Recently? No, this was a number of years ago. It's actually okay. more years ago. More years ago than I actually now that I'm thinking. When about I went it. in October, I sat next to, next to him, but we planned it. <laughs> you planned it to sit next. We planned it over email. Your buddies with Bushman? Yes, you know this. With Bushman, the 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 Richard Bushman and I are smaller? friends. I didn't know that you and Richard Bushman are friends. You're an artiste. He's a grumpy, by my experience, scholar and author. I don't know that you people are... I have no idea that you're friends. Tell us I, more about your friendship. I've told you this story because oh, it, it has to do with right. callings. It has to do with this news topic because yeah, yeah, it's related. Yeah. I was called to be a gospel doctrine teacher in the Morningside Heights Ward of New York City, in New York City. Um, and it was when we were doing Doctrine and Covenants and Richard Bushman was in my class. And I've never and you felt great about your life. <laughs> I wanted to die. <laughs> and but I got I did it and I went and I would say, now we're gonna talk about this part of church history. And then I'd say something and then I go, Is that right, Brother Bushman? <laughs> He'd nod. And then one time after a lesson, I sat down and he goes, You have a very interesting mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had referenced like Walking Dead or something in my lesson. Um, and then I said, well, is that a bad thing or a good thing? And he goes very cryptically, it can be, and walks away. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. And after that, we were friends. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, I like we, that's, that's hilarious. when I, I took my girls there in October, we met up and he took us down and showed us, they like turned this little, um, it used to be like a little bakery sandwich place down there next to the temple into a LDS art, little mini art oh, museum. The, Cause I, and I heard that's finally closed up. Right. And they're, they've moved the whole art. Uh, I, I know they've had the, uh, y- the yeah. art exhibit thing. Yeah. But yeah, they, Oh yeah. I don't know. But in October they had, they were doing like these exhibits and he was very, him and Claudia were very excited to show us. Well, how, how fancy! What a, what a fun name dropping experience for you! What a oh good my time. gosh! Well, you um, brought him up first. I did. I just happened to be sitting next to him, and I was like, "Hey, cool! I'm sitting next to Richard Bushman." <laughs> and then uh, afterwards, I hope maybe we. Now, I will say this: I'm I suck at like networking. Like, I don't like to feel like I bother people. Yeah. And so, in situations, even after I don't want to stand and be like, "Hey, guy! Hey, what's up, man?" <laughs> like, like the great example was years ago when I went to this event over at the museum in D.C. and they had Elder Christofferson there with um, Bob. I'm blanking on his name. The Watergate guy, Bob. Bob. You know, Bob, oh, Bob Woodward. I'd look over at the books. Oh, I you know, Bob Woodward. <laughs> okay. They had, this, they had this event. It was really interesting. Deseret News sponsored it. It was cool. Afterwards, a lot of people, there was a, a lot of, a lot of who's who in DC where that Mitt Romney was there. Oh, yeah. All these people were oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Mitt Romney was sitting just over across the room from me, all this stuff, whatever. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, though, of course, McKay Coppins was there too, everybody. And long, and I don't know if you know the McKay. Yeah. Daily. The author, but you know, we've had a love affair with McKay Coppins dating back to the beginnings of this podcast. Okay. And I'd never met the man before. And it was like, I saw him there and I'm thinking, like, man, like, I'd love to talk to McKay <laughs> Coppins, but I'm not the type of guy to just walk up and be like, what's up, man? 
hey, or yeah. just like my way. So it was finally he was leaving, and my but my friends I was with, they're like, dude, he's leaving. This is this is your window. So I like awkwardly ran up and like, hey, McKay Coppins, hey, hey. And he probably thought I was some kind of psycho, like just a psycho. Frankly, I think he thought I was some kind of stalker or something. It, <laughs> no. it was. You know, it was almost along the lines of just like, okay, you're so great. I love your work. You're wonderful. I'm your biggest fan. And I'm, uh, you know, making a fool of myself. And I took a picture with them and everything. Um, I must have left a bad impression because a little while later, we tried to approach him to come on the show and he turned us down. I think, you know, I think he thinks we're lunatics. Oh. That was my, so I'm not. No, is, I'm sure. Don't take it personally. I'm sure he's oh, just really busy. Well, I don't know. I love it when people... I don't know. I I think people should be flattered when people, they should be. They should be. I, I mean, I don't know. I agree. So the point is, I just I, I'm like they're nice to Richard Bushman. So I'm like, hey, I could talk up Richard Bushman right now. So I've chosen to look at it more like, hey, I was a visitor in your ward, Richard Bushman, and you didn't say, hey, you visiting? <laughs> I don't. I don't expect it to be Richard Bushman's personality. I get it. But you you just have to teach gospel doctrine and say apparently. weird things, and then he'll like you. And if and if you don't know where this conversation was starting, folks, what Haley was referencing <laughs> about the photographer. If you've seen some of the older Temple films, one of the couples who played uh, Adam and Eve are in that ward, and they are tall, very tall. If I remember, I saw model them people. Yes, tall, very model. intimidating. Oh, for sure. I guess. I mean, I I didn't get to talk to them though. Well, but, and then uh, after he was released at Bishop as Bishop, he taught gospel doctrine, and then the guy who plays, who currently is plays Jesus in all the uh, New Testament videos, also taught gospel doctrine. <laughs> so my friend and I <laughs> would meet after class, and we go, "Well, which gospel doctrine class do we want to go to, Adam or Jesus?" Is that John Foss? That Jesus? Yeah, John. Okay. Oh yeah, John. This is Haley's like, yeah, you know, John. We also get together. I'm not mocking. He's what? a redhead in real life too, everybody. Yes, he is a redhead. he is a redhead. Yeah. He is an actual friend of mine. I they're all friends of yours. I know. <laughs> well, it's fine. It's only- I, it's okay to be friends. This is your professional sphere. <laughs> I have friends too who remembers the church who work in government contracting. It's very exciting. It's fine. I'm actually friends with John through his wife because she, they were in my ward in New York, and then I met John through her. This ward in New York sounds like the place to be. It. I think we should all decamp and become part of this ward, folks. Okay. How affordable is Manhattan? Get on a scale of one to ten. If for those unfamiliar. <laughs> These days. <laughs> Pretty much all days. It's probably about <laughs> the same as Saratoga Springs, from what I understand. Oh, geez, Utah's pretty. Okay. Well, this okay. has been a fun. This has okay. been a fun random digression. Speaking of Utah, you want to talk yeah. about racist chocolate? Oh, do I? Yeah, let's talk let's about that. Fun. This is a funny so, story. I mean, not funny, but interesting. It's mostly it's mostly funny. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Okay. You can say it's funny. What, what so happened? The, well, there was a candy shop in Utah, a Lehigh. Of course, this happens in Lehigh. Like, of course, of course. It could have said Woods Cross or something random, but of course, this happened in Lehigh of all places. Like, yeah. um, a Lehigh chocolate shop, like speaking of Saratoga Springs, yeah. a Lehigh chocolate shop is withdrawing the names of two of its candies that made references to the Book of Mormon because people on social media criticized them. Uh, the the establishment's called Just Add Chocolate. And... Um, by the way, to the credit, the owner like received feedback and made a change. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. But what happened here was they had some some pieces of chocolate that frankly looked like dookies. I don't even know what they're supposed to be. But um, one of them is 
lighter brown. Milk chocolate. Milk chocolate. And one of them is darker brown, probably dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. And the lighter brown one is called the the piece of that, whatever the um, confection is, it's called Hill Camora. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing you were, I want a Hill Camora. I hate Utah. Okay. So I want a Hill Camora. And the lighter colored one was the Nephite variety. And the dark colored one was the Lamanite variety. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can see the issue people might have taken with this. And the thing is, I doubt the owner had any ill intent, like anything. They probably thought this was a tongue in cheek sort of thing. Yeah. And that's like the issue with racism in a lot of communities. It's not that you're trying to be. It's that you're just kind of unassumingly and ignorantly doing stuff like this. And so mm-hmm. credit to the owner for like being made aware of it. Mm-hmm. The issue stands that we yeah. like it's the stuff we should be thinking of in the first place. Yeah. That, that should not have made it through the production phase. Yeah, yeah. But, I, um, yeah, and I think I get it. I, but I do think it is just important to think about, you know, just other people's feelings sometimes. And, and no. even, you know, we're not trying to offend people, but it can just go a little better if we think first. Yeah, we... so we can kind of laugh about it, but at the same time, yeah. it's one of those things where you kind of shake your head and be like, "Duh, we gotta let's do better, Lehigh." Well, like someone was telling me that they there was a group of kids that from from around here, Colorado, that went out to a um, to do a DC trip, actually, and um, their tour guide quit on them. And I said, "Well, why did the tour guide quit on them?" And they they said well because they there was a group of girls and they bought Trump twenty twenty four hats and they were laughing and they were taking pictures and they were wearing them everywhere and the tour guide was asking them well why why did why did you buy those Do you like Trump and they're like oh we just think it's funny I don't know but she was offended and she quit and and he's like isn't that dumb and I was like well I mean I don't know I mean. It, it, <laughs> it's not really that funny to some people you know. To be just, even if you think it's a joke, you know, it, it's just the way you're putting mm. it out there. I don't know. It's that just, also just demonstrates, it just demonstrates, Trump was not exactly a popular fellow here in D.C. Exactly. I, uh, you know, like, read the, read the room. It's read the room, folks. It was, um, yeah. I mean, I... I yeah, I remember when the the Nationals were in the World Series and Trump came. I don't he didn't throw a pitch, I think, but they just like acknowledged him in some suite or something like that. And you saw this both ways. Like the city does not like him, so yeah. they boo him. Like it's the yeah. it's an entire stadium of fans booing the president of the United States <laughs> in his base of operations. Oh my gosh! What you get at the same time, I was like. Can we, we could also like be classier about it and just say it's a baseball game. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I don't know. But I I think it's good to like kind of to get outside your bubble, but then when you are or you know, or think outside your bubble, but and if you are outside your bubble, you know, just pay attention to who's around you and what And take advantage of like sensitivity training stuff. It's not a weakness. Yeah. One thing I like in my work is they actually have like an inclusion committee and they go and they work really hard to bring in like speakers to speak about just various things. And we're just like a random consulting firm. Like there's nothing, we're not out there as like social advocates, but it's good. It helps people be aware of stuff, helps us keep sharp and try. I mean, you know, this month is pride month, as you know, for many. And and so we'll be having an event on that, on like just trying to recognize LGBTQ stories and, and helping be sensitive to their, uh, to their lives and things they care about. I think that's good. Right. Yeah, and you're never going to like be in the wrong for just listening to somebody. Just hear them out. 
you know, that's the very least you can do. Well, you say that, but there are many people who feel that our good friend brother uh, Richard Osler is an apostate for doing that very thing, for simply having a podcast where he listens to people and that is all he's doing. And yet, oh. yet there are many among our faith community who are like, oh yeah, he's he's a bad one. Oh, It's sad, right? Like, like just listen to people. I don't like know. I that. think people like that are just trying to do good. They just, you know, they want to be a safe place for people. And there's, that's good. I concur. <sighs> well, let's see. What else are we talking about? <laughs> Whatever you want, Haley. It's your, it's your time to shine. Uh, my time to shine. Well, I want to talk about Stranger Things. Do it. There, uh, okay. So I told you this, Jeff, but I'm not all the way caught up on this current season of Stranger Things. But when I saw Stranger Things in the the news for this week on here, I was immediately drawn to it because I just watched four episodes yesterday. And apparently, um, in one of the episodes, well, because there's a character and his girlfriend, it's in the 80s, so I can say she's Mormon. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> apparently, um, there's a part where they show a quote from President Hinckley. Because it takes place in 1986 when he was first counselor. Yeah. And by show a quote, this literally means I think somebody managed to screen grab. It was like a quick like, thing. Of like a computer screen in a scene from one of the characters. Like it's not featured. But... Right, 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 right. But they show an accurate quote, um, which leads us to believe that, you know, there are people on shows that pay attention to even the smallest detail or who is on the show that is a member of the church. <laughs> it is pretty funny because it's some talk called preparing for a celestial marriage. If you've seen the show, the character Dusty has a Mormon girlfriend mm -hmm. in Utah. Um, and obviously she's feeling conflicted about the, about her, her little ruffian Indiana boyfriend. It's pretty funny. That they <laughs> what I love is as uh, Liz Busby, who's also been one of the hosts on the show noted, she was like, how does this show have better Mormon researchers than under the banner of heaven? Yes. <laughs> yes. What did you watch that? No, I haven't done it. And okay. now, now, the, now the whole moment has faded. I don't know if I even need to bother. No, right? I watched like one or two episodes, but I couldn't get over like the way they talk. I, I'm just like, I don't, I was there in the 80s and I didn't live in Utah, but I don't remember, like I, never in my life did I any ever hear anyone say like, Heavenly Father only knows. Like, have you ever heard someone say that instead of God no. only knows? Like that's oh, not no. heavenly father only knows that's not a thing. And so they're saying things like that. And you're like, this is just comical. It, like how weird it makes us look. But yeah, it's funny because there's, it got a lot of critical praise, but then I think, I think we're defensive as a people. Of yeah, course, we, don't of course. Portrayed we don't want to be portrayed negatively. I get all that. But um, a lot of people I think have, objective enough minds about it have just said it's like it's just not a well-made show like it's just badly written in general you can take a set take out all the ways it makes us look bad and it's just not a very well done yeah program. yeah which i can't sure. say I, love, I, I have not watched it maybe i will i just but it, see i was gonna go on hulu and watch it true story but then frazier was right there <laughs> yes, and that was that was that was the spirit and then the problem is, you. you put on like the very first episode of Frasier and you say, oh, I need oh. more of this in my life. I need more Frasier 1,000%. I need this in my life. I think Frasier's I need more Frasier in my life. 
that's you've inspired me. I'm gonna. Fraser is like it might be because I'm really pretentious, but Fraser is just hilarious. I love Fraser. See, I love it. Well, uh, let me take you to a place called Palmyra, or more specifically, Manchester, New York. Ah, Um, yes. Palmyra, of course, is the city up the road, but Manchester is where one hill Camorra stands, the very hill upon which Joseph Smith found the golden plates, went there for four years straight on the same date until the angel Moroni allowed him to remove the plates and start some of the great work of the restoration. And inspired some racist chocolates years later. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to throw that in. Keep Not to go. mention a, del- a, delightful pa- a delightful pageant that is no more that unfortunately I will never get to see. Um, <laughs> did you ever see the Hulkamore pageant? I did not. I never went. I wanted to go at some point and then they, you know, everything happened and now it's gone. Yeah. Kind of sad. I just wanted to see the spectacle. So, of course, you have the Hulkamore there. There's a monument, you know, and there's trails. And they're doing, by the way, a big restoration project now that they're stopping the pageant and they're kind of reforesting a lot of it and building trails and all this cool stuff. That's not related to the story. One thing they do have there is a visitor center. And some... Uh, some some folks some some kind young man there was allegedly just like target shooting nearby. He was practice shooting, and he accidentally hit a building. Yeah. The building being the visitor center of the Hill Camora site. Yeah. They just you know just 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 some a window was struck by a bullet. There just there were some shots fired. I don't know. I'm not an expert marksman or anything, but I'm just struggling to understand. Based on having been there, I know the fields nearby. I know how far you would reasonably be shooting a, what is he shooting, like a 22 or something like that? I don't know. Like, where was he to be hitting the visitor center and to have, like, been messed up? Oh, I was just trying to do some test firing. Uh-huh. Like, at what? There's nothing else there. There's an open field and some trees, and then the visitor center is just there off the road. I mean, if you're I'm test- not saying he was... Yeah, what is I mean, what does test firing like entail? Does doesn't that mean you'd be firing at a target of some sort or I don't know. You're just firing off Maybe he was trying to shoot the Moroni statue and he's just got really bad aim and he he just was, you know, down to the left a ways. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. It's He was charged with a first degree felony though, yeah. reckless endangerment. Yeah. Well, you know, Even though he's really bad at target shooting. <laughs> yeah, this guy did not get the merit badge. Michael R. Bushert, age 23 of Fairport, New York, yeah. was arrested for this shooting, which is which is the thing that happens. You know, we got those yeah. kids and their guns, folks. It's kind of scary, though, because it says there was like a, a trip, a group there on a bus, like 100 people or something. I mean, there's a lot of people there that day. And you can't imagine you're going somewhere like the Hill Camorra. You assume the only people who care about it is your own faith community. I mean, I'm sure it attracts some curious folks, but for the most part, the Palmyra sites are a pilgrimage location for Latter-day Saints, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm good here. I'm safe. Yeah. And you just, yeah, you're not assuming you're in, in some kind of weird situation and then that happens. That's just uh, I can't really imagine. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, not much more to cover uh, this week, folks. They did do the uh, inter- they're doing the international art exhibit uh, for oh, the church. Oh, yes, I did want to talk about that. Because... Talk about it. Talk about it, please. No, I was reading that article, and um, yeah, they had an international was it an art competition? Mm-hmm. Um, at the church at history the museum. Church history museum, and the theme was. Let's see. I'm getting closer. The theme was <laughs> <laughs> all are alike unto God. Is that right? 
Yeah, I, based on the same article I'm looking at, yes, all their like yes, to go on, and it comes I'm from Second Nephi twenty six thirty three. Um. Anyway, so yeah, people submitted their artwork based on that theme, and there's like there's painting, there's a quilt that was cool. There's like more kind of contemporary stuff. I don't know. There, there's people who submitted from different. It's an international art, mm-hmm. thing, which it should be because international church. And I think, um, yeah, it, you can, if you go look at the article or you can go see like the different pieces, they're really inspiring. And I thought it was neat. They have these, um, jurors that I assume adjudicate the different works and pick the winners and stuff. Um, and one of the, um, jurors said his name, I think is Namdi Okonkwo. And he says, I was confronted by pieces of art that made me stop and recompose myself before I could continue. It was definitely a spiritual experience. And um, I just love that. I just love the power of the arts and just, um, you know, how they can really sometimes touch people more than like a talk can or, or oh, yeah. you know, a, a lesson, you know. But just to look at something visual um, – is really can be really strong and leave a yeah, lasting one of impression. Uh, one of my old acquaintances from Ukraine actually had a submission in this. I don't, I don't believe oh. she won. Yeah, Valentina Musienko. Oh, um, called "All Are Alike Unto God." It's kind of cool. Yeah, I voted for it, but she did not win. But yeah, she has a, a bunch yeah. of she's she's a she does some stunning work. I love some of the stuff that she puts out there. So it's very cool they can do this. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, it really actually reading the article made me want to next time I go to Utah, I'm, I'm I I think they're displaying it through April 2023, the the works of art. So I hope you'll be in Utah by then filming some show off. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> just bring it back around. No, but yeah, I definitely need to make a note to go check it out because um yeah. And I think one of the women who um was a winner. I was at um, an LDS arts conference with a few years ago. Cool. She's really talented. So, so that was cool. Now, this is stuff I need to make more of. Like, you know, I went to BYU and stuff, but like, I've never even been in the church history museum yeah. or the library. Like, th- like these are things that you take advantage of, right? It's easy to just, and especially now because Temple Square is so much of it's under construction. I think yeah. this could be good because it could make more people say, cool, I'm not going to mill about Temple Square and hang out there and the visitor centers don't exist anymore. And all this, so I can go to the church history library. I can go to these other places that mm-hmm. might not get, they still get traffic, but not uh, as much. They're easy to overlook, the ones that are kind of on the periphery of Temple Square. Yeah. And the last few times I was actually staying in downtown Salt Lake for work, I would just like go to work and then go to my hotel. And then go, and I don't really usually have like extra time to mm-hmm. Spare to go explore that because I don't think I yeah I haven't been probably since I was a kid or maybe in college, yeah. so I don't know. I need to go. I haven't been to Utah in a long time. It'd be fun to do some of this stuff and check it out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last quick mention here, folks. Yeah. I thought this is kind of cool. The um, BYU Religious Studies Center publishes books on occasion, right? Uh, and I just saw this one pop up in my feed, and I thought it was interesting. And for those of you who might be interested, maybe you can be aware of it and read it if you're so interested. Uh, so they announced they're going to press a book called The Voice of the Saints in Mongolia, the first comprehensive history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Mongolia. 
Uh, regular listeners of the show, of course, know that we've spoken a lot about <clears throat> the church in Mongolia, primarily from a temple prediction standpoint, because we've long want, been saying one should or we, is likely to be announced there based on how many... Mongolia is very sparsely populated, but there's two and a half, there's two stakes in a district there. There's a lot of members per capita, more so than many other Asian countries that do have temples, for example. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. That's fine. Maybe it would. So I saw this pop up in my feed primarily because one of my old buddies, um, Sam Dodini, who some of you might remember did Sunday School Bonanza with us. He went on his mission to Mongolia and uh, saw this in his feed. And I thought it was cool. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know when this will, it doesn't say exactly when it will be published. And I'm sure they publish other books for other countries, but it's a great chance to learn the story of saints in you know, far-flung areas that we don't think a lot about. You know, Mongolia was a, basically a vassal of the Soviet Union for a long time. Missionaries didn't get there until the 90s. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff they're still working through. Uh, but imagine what it's like being a Latter-day Saint there in a country that was communist, culturally Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And then here you are, one of a handful of thousands of members you know, in Ulaanbaatar yeah. where there's two stakes. Uh, trying to boost up the church in this very remote, you know, and sparsely populated country. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, um, there's absolutely. not really a story behind it per se, but I think that's a neat thing. That no, I it's great, and I, I, I would love to read it. And I think it goes back to you know getting outside your own bubble and realizing that we're not the only members in this church. And I mean, I would love to just go attend wards all over the world. I mean, the few places that I have been that were very different. From where I live, I, I went to church in to a branch in Guatemala City, and cool. that was really fun. And I got to go to primary, and the kids were so cute, and they just drank orange soda and spilled it all over the ground <laughs> during sharing time. And it, it was so cute. I, I did not know what they were saying, but they sang the primary songs. I knew those. And then I went in um, Bucharest, Romania. And oh, yeah. that was also fascinating. People were coming over and it sounded like they were yelling at my husband because they're just like the way they talk is so loud and he's like yelling back and da, 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 da. there's a like it sounds like they're fighting. And I'm like, what did they say? He's like, he, he's like, oh, they said they're so excited that you're here and they're so happy to meet you. <laughs> I was like, that's not what it sounded like. But <laughs> that's not what I got. I, from I mean, the, just the I mean, those experiences, you just don't forget them. And it just I man, I would love to go many more places just to see all the differences because no it's really fun and it's like great you know we say we're the same church everywhere but i think the regional variations and things make it very interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes you even get that stateside um one that's popped in my head you know in your old area we were in De- we stayed in downtown denver once right by the right by uh, union station oh so there's a ward like right there in downtown kind of the southern part of downtown i want to say kind of between that and university of denver if my mind okay. there's, a, there's a meeting there's a meeting house there okay yeah um, so we happened to go to sacrament meeting there, but the ward was like a lot of older people. I'm actually surprised it was a lot of older people just given kind of the, the yeah. area around there. You could tell it's one of these wards that hasn't seen a lot of growth, not a lot of people yeah, moving yeah. into that area. And so part of us felt guilty because they were extremely welcoming and they saw my wife and I, and they thought like, oh my gosh, is there like a young couple that just moved in here? <laughs> you broke their hearts. <laughs> I think we kind of did because I mean, they were like, are you guys staying for second hour? Yeah. You guys have anywhere to go for dinner tonight? And we were like, we have to go to Colorado Springs, but thank you. And so I did kind of feel guilty, <laughs> but they were but they were like so kind and inviting and it did make me a little sad to leave them. So I was like, man, these people probably don't get a ton of visitors. And I know it, the church might be largely static for them and they're just, they're just trudging along, getting it done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that's great. Yeah. Or that weird ward I went to in Chicago. That one was interesting. <laughs> That was fun. It's exciting right, though, right? right? 
international stuff. So I went to church in Budapest once, to an, but I went to an English branch and that was fascinating. Yeah. Um, the church was piloting two hour church uh, within that English branch at the time. Oh, so that, was, that was fun. Wow. No, that's, anyway. that's awesome. Anyway, we could compare anyway. war stories forever. Folks, it's been a, a long show. Appreciate you taking the time to be here and hope you'll support us on Patreon. You know, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. And if you don't subscribe to this podcast, well, you should obviously do so because it'll be a way to entertain you. Obviously. For all of your days. All of your days. Haley, I appreciate you putting up with me. It's always nice to have you here on the show. <laughs> sure. Thanks for having me back. It's fun. Oh it's, oh, it's good to see you. Haley Smith can be found in all sorts of places. She has an IMDb page, folks. You can That's find true. out things about her life on IMDb, That's and that is, that is most excellent. So uh, we wish you well until we see you again, Haley. And uh, until then, folks, have a great rest of your week. I believe it's Sisters next week. So we look forward to hearing from uh, Ariane and Tiffany. But until then, this has been This Week in Mormons. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.